0: Back to another episode of the Midtown Madness podcast with Peter Hale and Zach Miller. Uh, Saturday was a rough 24 hours for Billiken fans. Uh, Both men's and men's soccer and men's basketball teams were in action, but we're going to kick off the show talking soccer, and we're fortunate enough to be joined by Kyle Hobson. Uh, Kyle was a member of the 2003 Billiken team that reached the same round as this year's edition. Kyle, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Zach. Appreciate it.
0: Uh, Yeah. So I mean, you're you're kind of first reaction when you, when you pull up the stream, first of all, what a nightmare of a stream that was. Uh, and, and you see that field up there in, in the the Pacific Northwest in Seattle. Uh, what, how, how much do you feel for those guys?
1: Well, my first thought was here we go again. Right. Cause when we played in the elite eight, it was, uh, it was on like a frozen tundra up in Maryland. So yeah, I definitely felt wrong. You know, the conditions are, for both sides right obviously it's not ideal to play a, that high level of a match that importance um so yeah i fell for him
0: what um what, what was your like what was your reaction going into that maryland game and then you know what what does the coaching staff do to kind of try to you know control the emotions on the team that are just kind of like this this sucks
1: it's tough I think, you know, for us, it was more – can you guys hear me okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. you oh, yeah. It was more – I think you have to manage – both teams have to play on the field, right? So both sides are dealing with the same conditions. It's unfortunate that two high-level programs got to that point, quarterfinal, lead a quarter-final lead-eight game, and that's the field, you know, we're playing on. So you have to keep, keep everybody focused towards – the goal of winning this game, right? Getting through this game, this this challenge. It's just another variable. The field, and then on to the next round, right? To the, to the college cup. So, I think you know, as a as a coach, you're everything's positive. You're staying focused on your team and what you have to do to win. Obviously, the conditions are going to play a factor, right? You have to change the way you play. So I mean, that's that's a you have to make adjustments. Within the game, probably.
0: Yeah, uh, you know the the game started, you know, fairly even, and and I think it was even for the most part. I thought the Billikins had their opportunities, but you you have a play where. Uh, the ball gets passed back to Schulte, I think, for one of the, like, you know, maybe the third time, Pete, you said it was about the third time.
2: Yeah, it felt like they had. Um, and again, we, we didn't get much of the first 20 minutes or so just based on streaming issues. But um, they had played it back to him a few times in a short amount of time. And every time I got more and more nervous just because, um, you know, you could see Washington get, kind of giving chase every time. And uh, given the field conditions, it was just like, man, that's, it's like one too many variables for me to be comfortable with that. And I, it, of course it came back to Biden.
0: I mean, so, so when that, you know, is that something that you would, you know, tell your players or be, you know, have the coach tell the players like, you know, when in doubt, just, just go out. We don't need to possess. We can just let's, let's live to fight another day.
1: Right. Absolutely. Right. I think you could tell by Fulty's. You know, after the fact, right, after it happened, he kind of gave a gesture like, hey, let's not. This is why I didn't want the ball. Let's not do this anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to make an adjustment. You know, you, t- you play all year, right? You're accustomed to playing the way you're facing, play back to your goalie and then you're out. And He has good feet. So um, I think you're right. He, he, you know, we played a couple back to him and had no problem. But you can see on that side of the box, it was a, a little. Uh, it, was, it was rough, to say the least. So, I think yeah, yeah you're making
2: adjustments there. There's no the one before that came on the other side of the box, which wasn't quite as uh, as muddy mm-hmm. looking, um, but the side that it got played on that time, um, yeah, it, it was way worse. It just had, it happened so fast, and and I, I, the way I kind of described it last night, it felt like the game had kind of an edginess to it because you could tell guys were 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 trying to avoid mistakes. But at the same time, you're playing with such energy and such force because of like the, you know, this is the elite eight, you know, and it's it's win or go home. You're playing now. It's it's just the best teams that are left. So it, there was a, a really uh, kind of weird, nervous energy to the whole thing, I thought.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think uh, it's a it's a huge game. I mean, they work all season. Well, you know, it's you never know where you're going to go back and to have it outside of the conditions you're you're anxious you're excited there's a, it's, mm-hmm. it takes you know the energy goes up another level the focus so it's uh I would say I agree you know that the game was really good back and forth I thought we had a lot of the game after the goals kind of settled in and started taking it to them a little bit but just couldn't create those opportune chances right and then oh. the final third. What right. were the,
0: some of the some of the bright spots for the Billikens. Obviously, the bright spot on the night was the the Washington goal, which was uh, a fantastic individual effort to get to the end line and then cut it back for the. I mean, a, a redirection with pace is the only way I could describe it. But on the Billikens side, what did, who did you see on that field that that really stood out to you?
1: Well, for me, I think Gilbert. Right? Is that his last name? Wide left,
0: wide left. Uh, okay, for, I'm sorry for the Billikens.
1: Oh, Billikens, yeah.
0: Um, okay, would be, um uh, I'm thinking Isaiah Parker on the wide left. Parker, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Parker.
1: Right, I just read something, Gilbert. Yeah, Parker. I think he's, you know, his one-on-one ability is something that they, I thought that they could have taken more advantage of.
2: Yeah,
1: right. Get in the box, create chances, and he started. There was a little, you know. Five or ten minutes where they're really working that side, and he was he was getting the ball in the box. And you know, that, in those conditions, you're not going to be the balls. We're not going to be able to ping the ball, right? So it's going to be more one on one battles with balls in the box. Um, and I think for me, he stood out for a while. Sorry, I'm butchered his last name there. Yeah, and I like no, the kid. Though. He's a former wrestler, like myself, so that's always a plus. You know?
2: you know, given, given the, the lack of any sound for, you know, two thirds of the game and the fact that this wasn't a very good stream, like I I couldn't make numbers out at all. You know, I my eyes aren't what they used to be, but still it was like, I couldn't see anything out there. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to like tweet on our account, keep up with the game. And I'm like, I, I I honestly don't know. just made that play. (laughs) But, um, you know, the other thing I thought, um, we did kind of create there were there were plenty of times where we did kind of create some chaos in front of the net a couple of times off of corners. Um, I thought kind of late in the first half and early in the second half is when we kind of had our best chances. But as the second half wore on, um, it just kind of felt like we kind of I don't know, it's it felt like there was a little structure missing. And we were just kind of playing um just kind of smash mouth soccer, like trying to run up the middle, go right at them and I understand the circumstances were not ideal and you're playing from behind, but I I kind of felt it getting away from us as the second half went on.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think um, we had some momentum going into halftime. It, It felt like if we could just get one before the half, that this, you know, there was definitely still a chance. But as the, you know, second half started and it was a lot of the same, You know, we were getting in there, but then they were were able to fend us off. And um, I think their back four, back six did an excellent job, really, in the air. Um, And not that they were playing balls out, but just, you know, hitting it out of bounds or just, you know, blocking shots, keeping us away, keeping us outside. They did an excellent job there, so I agree. Do Um, do you have
0: any idea why the team would have switched sides (laughs) right before kickoff? That was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, I saw that. I don't know if that was strategy. They were just not trying to play a mind game or something. But the way that we went the second half, I thought was an advantage. The way that they played and, you know, the pass back to, to Schulte, right? Yeah, that was – I don't know that – it seemed like it was easier to defend and play out of the back from the where we were, the second half, right? Would you guys agree?
2: Yeah, I think so. But I mean, what What would, I don't know. It just felt like gamesmanship or something like what would even allow them to do that? Cause you could tell Schulte didn't know it was coming. Like he has to, you saw him like grab his water bottle and stuff like that. And he was, right? you know, all of a sudden moving down to the other net. I'm like, I, I didn't know that you could just do that. Like, like I, like, again, without any announcers, it was weird, but I'm not sure what gave them the ability to just kind of say, no, we want to start on that side. I or did they know. take
1: the well, wrong side intentionally? Yeah,
2: yeah. So just, it, just, it just just felt so, really so felt what, really late to me to, the, for, the, for that to be happening. Right.
0: The, the gamesmanship would be that Washington knows what side they're supposed to be on. Yeah, but would take the other side uh, intentionally to to kind of you know they would get out first ahead of Slough and then Slew yeah. would take their side and it'd be like, wait a minute, no. You
2: wait. just figure that stuff's like settled before you know. The and it is,
1: typically, but you know they're taking a team photo our guys are huddled up seem like yeah. they're on the right side yeah you know, it was it was a little bit of a right to me gamesmanship right on Washington side so um
0: wh- how how demoralizing is it though that you give up that goal that's a fluke and then you know five minutes later um you know they say 2 is the toughest lead in soccer but uh, you give up a, a, an outstanding goal five minutes later, and, and it f- does. at that point, it's got to feel like the weight of the world is now on your shoulders to try to come back.
1: Yeah, I think it's just get the next goal. That's the message, right? Score the next goal, get back in the game, and we're right. You know, I think they've, they've played enough close games throughout the year. Obviously, this one's, you know, much higher stakes, right? But... The message from the bench and that from your leadership is hey, let's just get the next goal and then battle back from there. So it's tough though, right? I mean, that that first one is really tough, and especially if you're you know a goalkeeper that hasn't given up too many goals, the backline that hasn't made too many mistakes, they're pretty clean, you know. And then immediately you're going, it's this field, right? It's right back to the field. So uh,
0: you can't let you know, that I, stuff creep
1: in. Yeah, you can't let it right. It's just the messages, score the next goal.
2: Do you know, is there anything that would have allowed them to play this game somewhere else? I mean, I, I know the rules are like, hey, you're, you're going to play a home game at, at you know, whoever is the, the higher seed in the tournament, and that's just how it worked out in this one. Um, but, I mean, at, at what point can either, you know, the, the NCAA or, or some kind of con- conference or some governing body step in and go – we honestly we, we don't want to see people getting hurt out here uh can we move it across town to this turf field that's maybe in better shape or something like that i mean is is, is that something that's even possible i'm not
1: i'm not sure um yeah there's got to be a high school field right down the road right you know and i there's, get it there's students yeah, there they had a big right yeah yes yeah so they're in Seattle, right? There's all kinds
2: of options, let's be honest. Yeah, so Seattle. They, so so right by the Space Needle, they've got this. It's like a they, I think the city public schools own it, and it's like this really old, like, 100-year-old stadium with, like, a grandstand, like, covered bleachers, and it's a really nice turf field, honestly, and it made me wonder, like, <laughs> you know, it's Saturday night. Most high school stuff is played on a Friday night. Why? You know, it's just a few miles away. I don't know why they couldn't have moved over there, but what, what do I know? Well, right, I mean, we were...
0: We were getting, you know, I mean, things, I mean, everybody watched that Indiana highlight and, and that's when the, you're like, okay, what's the, what's the forecast going to be next yeah. weekend? And then you start getting rumors out of like, out of the, the camp, the travel party that this field looks like Jamaica in the world cup qualifying uh, and
2: this it felt very conca cafe, all of it did. It was very, like, we're, here we are, we're playing the number two overall seed, we're playing England, but we're playing them in Trinidad. Like, what's right. what is what is mm. going on here? Everything felt not so Jamaica,
0: wrong. not Jamaica, Trinidad. You're right,
2: it,
1: it you would felt like so to wrong. think that their player, you know, they want to play on a nice pitch too, right? So, I don't know. So, they, yeah, they but, destroyed the field the week before, right? Against Indiana.
0: uh, yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah, it—I mean—it looked like they tried to even lay sod to, to repair. <laughs> yeah. it, they, it was they, wrong.
0: They need to consult the uh, the St. Louis University groundskeepers. They've been doing this stuff for, for you know, a hundred years. The the,
2: uh, the resodding was kind of embarrassing because you'd have those big brown patches, tell, like yeah. circles right. with like a like a green square inside it. It was, you know it was clearly like or you you know a band-aid on a a flesh wound it was not it was not enough right it
1: was interesting and it's
2: it's unfortunate
1: um but i mean you know i think they washington clearly has a good team right yeah Yeah. for a reason but you know you'd like to see that game played on a on a normal right normal conditions on this field right The both sides could put their best effort out there right Play the style they want but for us, too, as fans, it
2: would have been much better. You said Washington clearly looked like the number two team out there. Did you see a big skill gap between them and Slough?
1: No, I, I, I would say they're number two for a reason, right? They've done sure. as far as their, their season. Um, I did not see a, a huge skill gap at all. Really. I, yeah, I, mean, I yeah. thought we were a more solid team. I mean, not that I saw gaps in their in their lineup. Or, there was a couple guys on their team like that play on the goal. Christian That's,
0: Soto, yeah.
1: Yeah, so a standout player, the uh, Chavez or Tevez.
0: Tevez, yeah.
1: yeah. Or six goals or, you know, hat tricks the last two games. He's doing something right, obviously. They had a lot of, like, uh, playmakers, but as far as a full team, I like our side, you know. Yeah. Think, stacking up.
0: Speaking of, of raw roster construction and, and a team, putting a team together that, that can compete for a national championship like they tried to do this year and, and almost you know, damn near succeeded. Uh, what, do you, what do you see from, from Kalish and, and on a macro level that has you excited about the future of this program?
1: So we had, I heard him say last night, was it three seniors? Yeah. Seven is that the yeah. numbers? Yeah, there's not Seven, there's gene? not many. There's not many, right? So obviously that's exciting, you know, going forward. That experience is gonna be huge for next year, and it's huge for recruiting. I mean, for this this year's team, they had all the pieces. I mean, I can tell you when I went to the game down at earlier in the season against Creighton, went the first two games, and I thought that I, you know, you have a a goal scorer who him, you know, Johnny Klein and they, both those guys move off the ball. Excellent. Right. They're not just, not just goal scorers and, and playmakers, but the ball move. they're, they're working to find the ball. So that's huge. The back six solid in the air, which is the college game, but can also play, right. Mm-hmm. Play with their feet out of the back. They're, they're all willing to play. And I, I saw a team that I thought could definitely make a run Had all, all the pieces you need good goaltender. So it'll uh,
0: be, it'll be interesting to see what, you know, you mentioned the, the youth and, you know, you've got this St. Louis city SC uh, under 23 program, you know, getting, getting rolling and it'll be interesting to see um, whether, you know, a guy like Schulte decides to, that's the better path or a guy, you know, I think Betcher and Klein both have one more year to go. So um it'll be right. interesting to see if they they want to come back and, and and run another one
1: i mean I, i'm not sure what the rules are there if they sign with to play for the u23 do they have to waive their, their well final I, year?
0: I i don't know if they want to you know go to the the academy that program full-time right. whereas not so much whether they want to play with them during the summer more, so if they want to move on full-time
1: sure yeah it'll be interesting i agree for me after losing the way they did in the Elite Eight, I would like to think they're coming back. If they, have, if they have one more shot, right, and the pieces are in place, I think yeah. uh, it's not too hard. to You don't have to twist their arm for that one.
2: Because there, there's nothing like it,
1: right? That's the ultimate experience. For me, you know, I wasn't even – I played, you know, minimal minutes in those games in that Elite Eight, but just being a part of that, traveling up to Maryland, just those tournament games. It's not an experience you'll have anywhere else, even at the pro level, right? So
2: yeah, what you, what year was that for you? That 03? three two thousand three. Well, I mean, for you, were you a freshman, sophomore? Oh, or...
1: I was a so I redshirted sure my so freshman, but it's a okay. sophomore year, second okay. year.
0: Yeah, that I mean, what what is that like? You're you know you're nineteen, you you but you've got you know you go out and you're playing in front of you know, six, 7,000, a pack stands up in Maryland. And it's, you've got the, it's, it's that, that, um, you know, it's a, it's a crowd that's against you. Do you, do you, are you the kind of player that loves that? Or are you kind of like more, when do you get more from the home crowd than?
1: No, I love that. I like that tension in there. You can definitely, uh, and we did, we came out in that game. We were up two nothing. I don't know if you guys recall it all Two nothing at halftime. Same deal. One half of the field was ice. Yeah, so we were going where their goalie was slipping and sliding. And then second half, you know, they were going towards the ice. So Martin Hutton was our goalie at the time. He mm-hmm. the footing was horrible. We just – there was really no chance or – you know, they were just ping balls and they were just skipping. It was like skipping on ice. So it was tough. But, yeah, playing – to answer your question, playing up there, I enjoy that. I like – I thrive in that kind of environment. And I think a lot of players do.
0: Yeah, well, hey, Kyle, I, I appreciate it. It's, it's great talking to you, man. Yeah. It's, uh yeah, good to good to hear from you. I haven't haven't gotten a chance to see you in a while. Uh, so uh good to hear from you and thanks for coming on and giving your perspective, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Hopefully they uh they keep the group together, core of the group together for next year and make another run. But it was it was an excellent season, really solid team. So I enjoyed watching. And I appreciate you guys having me.
0: Yeah, man. Thanks, hey, Kyle. Have, have a good night.
1: All right, buddy see you take care talk to you later
0: well thanks to kyle for coming on the pod uh, good friend of mine always always love talking to him uh pete i mean he gave great perspective on it i mean i think we as fans get into this you know mode where we want to we want to kind of blame something else because i mean we love these guys right like yeah we get into this groove where we want to find something else to to hang the blame on, and uh, I think true. the blame can be hung on you know uh, Washington. The blame can be hung on on Washington. I think
2: this is one of those games that could have been you know if somebody's out there and like blows a knee you know or or some other severe injury on this field, I think probably. Um, you know, whatever, whatever gripes we might have as fans would have been really illustrated right there. So I, I am really grateful that nobody on either side got hurt Absolutely. in this game. And um, I'll
0: hang my head on that disingenuously because <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I, I mean, yeah, no,
0: I will you, you gen, genuinely believe like me. I, I I'll just be the ass. I'll just be the ass that complains about it.
2: But, but this, this was a game where you really, really do wonder all things being equal. We play them right. under just... Decent conditions. Um, I, I, I can't imagine that that first goal happens. You know, they definitely earned that second one. There's nothing you can blame that second one on. That right. was just a wonderful play on their on their part. Um, but I, yeah, I really do wonder because, like, like Kyle said, like we said, I, I did not see this. For example, the women when they ran into Rutgers, it was like this is a whole other level of of skill, of talent, whatever it was. Mm-hmm it was not that in this game at all these these teams were top tier teams peers going head to head and um felt like that would have been a a a really close game um you know i mean two to nothing two nils not a blowout or anything but but i just felt like um that would have been a much different game you know under different circumstances so it's it's a real shame to have to go out like that
0: yeah, it is. And I, like Kyle said, I hope he, I also hope that uh, this team sticks together. I've heard rumblings that they do want to, that a couple of them do want to move on and, and try to start their pro career. Uh, you know, I, I think there's something to be said with, you know, soccer and that it's, it's easy to get into a pro system and start your development um, because you see a guy like Jordan Goodwin in basketball who goes pro and, all of a sudden, he develops these other parts of his game because all he's doing is playing. Um, so there is something to be said for the better development that comes with, with uh, doing it at a, at a professional level where you're not going to school.
2: Yeah, you don't want to miss your window. I remember, um, so back in my era at SLU, he was a class ahead of me, both at Shamanada and SLU. Brad Davis left after, what was, I guess, his sophomore year, my freshman year at SLU. And basically uh, said that, look, if I want to have a shot at the 2004 Olympics, 2006 World Cup, I have to go now. If I wait another year, I'm, you know, I I can't, it's unlikely that I'll make the, you know, that the rosters of the teams that are going to be competing for those events. So he had, he basically had his, his sights on the men's national team. And uh, if he, if he wanted to have any shot at all, he had to go then. Um, it's a little bit different calculation for a lot of these guys. I don't think any of them are going straight to the national team program, but um, you know, you do, you do kind of have a window. You're, you're only so young for so long. And um, I I don't begrudge anyone's decision. If they've got an opportunity to play pro, you know, go for it. And like we talked to coach Kalish about a few nights ago, he feels really good about all of the the players that they've, they've got waiting in the wings. So um, this is a deep team that will, um from the looks of it be competitive for a long time and this was this was a really fun season and I just yeah can't wait for more
0: yeah we'll just run down the uh, the game real quick uh it was a two nothing loss at the University of Washington uh, on the dog track um (laughs) uh 21st minute Gio Miglietti uh, gets his sixth of the game uh, unfortunate turnover off a back pass to Schulte. Schulte tries to clear the ball. It hits off the back of a, def- of a Washington player right to Gio. Uh, and he finishes the easy one in the open net. Uh, five minutes later, Miglietti uh, scores again, but off uh, an outstanding uh, piece of individual skill by Christian Soto. Dicing run through the Billiken defense centered the ball and geo just directed it right into the net with pace as i said um that's his seventh of the year geo really uh look what i found in this one is is kind of the the flavor of the month for this kid yeah. i mean like both his goals uh, i mean right place right time but come on yeah man. like you you did, somebody else did the work <laughs> why well, yeah somebody else did the work whether it be you know um getting in uh pressuring schulte or uh making a dicing run Pete. run us down the overall stats in this game
2: yeah so slew outshot washington 17 13 but washington put uh one more on net four to three on goal corners slew had eight washington six and slew had one more foul 13 to their 12 um officially there were two yellow cards in this one um burks and on washington got one in the 50th minute and then fowler um, in the 87th minute I could have sworn I agree late this. in the first half, the ref showed a card to somebody on Slu, and I thought yep. it was Palazzolo. At first, I thought it was Klein, then I thought it was Palazzolo. Um, for it was right in the middle of the field, kind of a sliding tackle from behind, um, and I could have I, yep. uh, positive he took his yellow out, but it never looked registered anywhere, and I couldn't find any trace of it. So you are for what it's worth, right. on, on on the scorecard, uh, it's officially Washington with two yellows and Slu none, but I, could, I thought we had at least one. So, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's the rundown of the box score in this one. And just to kind of uh, give people an overview of what's left in the men's tournament. um, The, the Washington is the the two, number two overall seed. Um, So they were favored to win that region and they did indeed come out of it. Georgetown, the number three overall seed is who they'll be facing in the final four. So pretty chalky on that side of the bracket. And honestly it's the same thing on the other side of the bracket because number four, Notre Dame, the favorite from their region Uh, We'll face number eight Clemson, who needed PKs to beat the number one overall seed, Oregon State. So we were just a PK away from this being um, the the top four seeds in the final four, um, which is pretty amazing, actually.
0: Yeah, I just want to point out for a certain writer out there that not a single Big Ten or SEC team made the final four. Um, So his argument is bullshit. Um, and that's all I got to say about that
2: yeah uh, it's it, really right now in uh in men's soccer the uh the the Pac-12 and the ACC are kind of the clear-cut number uh one and two conferences the Big East is pretty strong um and, and you know yeah the Big Ten and SEC are good but like let's not let's not fool ourselves
0: yeah no it's uh it, it, it's a tough loss and I, I will say that I did feel as though um uh, every time there would be a, uh, a corner kick, I felt like, uh, the bill, I felt positive and I felt like there was a chance that the Billigans were going to score. So, yeah. um, uh, they, you know, at least, uh, they looked dangerous the entire game. So they, I, uh, they
2: created chances. They had, you know, like I said, in the, when we were talking uh, to Kyle, it, the, you know, they created chaos in front of the net several different times. Um, a lot of times those ended on a shot that went high or wide it seemed like they were kind of having trouble getting uh, just, you know, getting the right touch on the ball at the end, but um, chances were definitely there.
0: Yeah. Let's uh, let's move on. Obviously um, we'll have more soccer coverage. We'll see. We'll see what the head goes on. Um, we'll probably talk a little final four next episode and, and look forward to the off season, maybe get a, uh, certain mr soccer somebody to come on and, and recap that season uh not sure yet how that'll work uh let's move on to men's basketball uh a busy week um for for the men's basketball team uh they got they traveled to boise uh that's that's a nightmare of a trip i'm sure uh just travel logistics wise um but they came out with an 86 82 win pete
2: yeah, and um, the way this one started, it didn't seem like that was going to happen. <laughs> Slew <laughs> Sl- went down 11-0 to start this one, and uh, it really took some time to get going out there.
0: Yeah, there was, I mean, there was two. I think Uri Collins missed two, um, and then there was the the missed dunk. Do I have that right? That that was the first three missed Yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and and not just that. Then Collins wound up with, I think, his second foul about five minutes into the half, and it was yeah. just kind of like, what is going on here? Um, so just a just a brutal start to this game. But once we kind of got that out of the way, things really settled in nicely.
0: I, I think I think the um, you know I, I what there were two things that impressed me big time with was three things. Sorry, three three individual things that impressed me big time in this game, uh, Jimerson. Free throw shooting and the emergence of DeAndre Jones, and I think we should save the emergence of DeAndre Jones for uh, the UAB game because there's not much exciting things to talk about in that one,
2: mm-hmm. and I
0: think we need to leave it at that. So let's let's talk about Jimerson. Uh, Jimerson kind of pulled out his inner uh, inner Javante in this one a couple of times, including a a very very tough fadeaway jumper from the elbow uh, that was uh, a, in an incredibly clutch situation.
2: Yeah, so Jimerson, we've talked about him adding other layers to his game this season, but it's also kind of in the X's and O's because he's constantly in motion um, in, in this offense and um, has definitely shown that that now he's just not um, a, a shooter wandering the perimeter or the baseline trying to get open um, outside, but that no matter where he gets the ball, he's a threat to score you never would have thought last year that it would be possible that you would see Jimerson score 21 in a game and only take two three-pointers um, just to show you how much both the offense and his, his game individually have been built out. Um, and, and, and yeah, like it's, just, it's just talking about scoring on three levels, backdoor cuts, working it out of the mid-range, going to the rim and getting fouled. And, and, and getting fouled is a great strategy for him going eight for eight from the line. So I, I I love Jimerson's game here.
0: Yeah, he's really impressed me, and um, you mentioned uh, always in motion because there's a lot yeah. of hand wringing uh, over the last year or so about Jimerson getting lost in the offense and, and you know ending up standing in the corner and and there's yeah, not, not a lot of that this season and it's it's I I hope he has the conditioning <laughs> to get through this damn season because my goodness the guy is constantly around like it is brutal to like there's two things def- defenses are doing now they're trying to eliminate yuri from possessing the ball mm-hmm. uh, or running the offense and they're just desperately trying to hold on to jimerson as he runs around the court like a crazy person
2: mm-hmm. uh, yeah it, it's and it, it's
0: tough, it's tough.
2: It is. I would still like to see him get loose a little bit more for three, but um, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind a game like this at all. I mean, six of eight, uh, one of two of three and perfect from the free throw line just didn't need a lot of shots to to be lethal against these guys. And again, um, they're chasing him everywhere. So it's it's <laughs> it kind of keeps defenses honest at all times. Just having him out there as a threat.
0: Absolutely. And I think the second biggest story of this game, besides Jimerson, uh, is the free throw shooting. Uh, what a complete opposite uh, experience that was to last year, two years ago, three years ago.
2: It, it's uh, You knew we were going to be better from the free throw line. I think we all said that coming out of last year, coming into this year, we just knew it. Um, I didn't know how significant it would be this fast. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. We're not going to go 30 for 34 from the free throw line every night. And our opponent isn't going to go 12 for 26 from the free throw line every night. Um, but it, it, it means so much that you can't put us on the line anymore as a strategy to keep us from scoring. Um, and that includes our bigs too. Both Linson and Okoro when they go to the line are making them at a pretty good clip. So um, it feels nice to, <laughs> to know that you can't be taken out of the game that way anymore.
0: Absolutely. And I think, I think what people uh, kind of missed with uh, the hand, again, more hand-wringing, uh, about free throw shooting last year and, and the year before, just really any time you had Goodwin and French out there is uh, you would often see... Really good free throw shooting percentages for one or two nights in a year. And, and when you look at it, it was pretty obvious why. Be- it would be because maybe French was in foul trouble, or maybe they just did not give it to him in the paint a whole lot, or he was kind of eliminated from the game defensively. Uh, so you knew that uh, by subtracting those two uh, options, really the only question mark for free throw shooting this year was going to be, how good would Okoro be from the line?
2: Yeah. And so far he's proven to be at least a reasonable threat um, from the line. So uh, I, I don't have his number in front of me right now, but I re- thought I remember them saying last night he was over 70%, about 75%. Um, so yeah, both he and we knew Linson was good, um, but but seeing Okoro come in and being able to hit like that is, is a big deal. So uh so really really good stuff from these guys.
0: Yeah, I'm at 75.6%. Yeah, okay. And I believe that includes last night's
2: game, which is great. I mean, you yes. just the the number I keep in mind is 70%. That's kind of like if you if you average out all of college free throw shooting over a season, it's at about 70%. So if you've got guys above 70, that's good. And the high, yeah, obviously the higher the better, but um you know we've had teams that were in the high 50s and low 60s for the past few years which is just abysmal so um what what a turnaround
0: yeah I I mean he too like it's it it was it's just so impressive and it's so nice to to not have to worry and I still find myself having anxiety whenever we go to the free throw line it's kind of funny
2: it's called PTSD. <laughs> we, uh, we've got, we've got years of that built up for free throw shooting right now. So it's, it, you know, we're not, it's been what eight games <laughs> that we're, uh, you know, that are nine games, I guess now that, that we've actually seen decent free throw shooting. And that's, that doesn't erase years.
0: Yeah. I think this game illustrates that this team can still win in different ways. And I yeah. think it's, uh you're not unfortunately what we're going to get into when it comes to the uab game is there are going to be games that specifically are built for javante perkins to, mm. to win um good the the positive note is that the boise state game was not that yes it was weird yes the flow and pace was weird yes it uh it started off with uh, yuri collins having a bit of a nightmare uh mm-hmm. he did come on strong at the end um the uh, you had uh you had Doug Gottlieb, who was obviously smoking weed uh, before the game. I swear to God, that dude was high as a kite. The,
2: you know, there were times like I, I had very It wasn't even
0: bad that. announcing. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't
2: even... bad. He would say something where you'd be like, what are you talking about? It was almost like a, like a young, sarcastic, kind of like Bill Walton experience where you're like, uh, all right, rein it in a little bit there, buddy. like not, he was nothing night. like Walton, but it was that kind of thing where you are just like you don't quite know what he's going to say next.
0: Stream of consciousness, like yeah, dude. Maybe. He's like, it's like, I'm in Boise. I'm sitting at my hotel. <laughs> I have a weed hookup, and he's hitting the bong. Like it's it was insane. I mean, I, I even would, from I the jump, that. even from the jump, he he kicked it off with mask commentary, and I'm like, what are we doing?
2: Yeah, I mean, very weird. Like,
0: it was yeah, making weird. fun of
2: Jimerson's shoes, saying he's wearing like nurses' shoes or really,
0: something. Like oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: but then he, you know, uh, then he'd go on to make some really good points, or like, you know, he was unafraid to call out the refs who were really bad in this they game, or at were. least really inconsistent. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. Very up and down experience. It, the, the, everything about this game was just a little off, and uh, feel very fortunate to come away with a win.
0: Where did you see the the poor officiating the most? because i I think mm-hmm. I was most up in arms with the the rebounding. I thought I thought every time uh, Boise State was allowed to rake our guys on the arms when they brought it down a defensive rebound.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably if you had to pick one area they were kind of missing, that was it. I think at a higher level, I would just say they were just so inconsistent um i felt like all night we were just getting baffling calls against us but honestly in the last minute or two when it really mattered the calls seemed to kind of go our way Um, whether it meant you know swallowing the whistle or 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 whatever um there were a couple that could have gone against us in the last couple minutes and didn't and it was just like all right i'll take them um and i I could hear the fans in there booing yeah as loud as they could but um i kind of felt like it had been going the other way all night so um, so I'll take it.
0: Yeah, that uh, first of all, the you we got to talk about the savvy play uh, by Jimerson. And, and is that is that coaching? Did a coach point that out to him that, you know, I'd love to see him do that more because you he, he has people yeah. legitimately grabbing on his jersey to keep up with him. Yeah. And so many times he's probably had the ability to just stop and have them knock him over. So I would love to see that more of that going forward, as far as a strategy. When, you know, maybe the offense has stalled, or maybe Jimerson just having no chance of getting open at a certain point. Um, but then there's the play, uh, the the big one. I think it was Okoro. He they like Okoro's foot. He like tripped over Okoro, and they wanted a foul there. As, yeah, that's right. And so. I mean, I don't think that should be a foul uh, because obviously Okoro, he he came from behind Okoro, right?
2: Yeah, and I think the the question there has to be whether his foot's planted or not, and it felt to me like it was. It's supposed
0: to be an automatic foul, though, right?
2: I honestly don't know on that on that. That you was know, kind if of, if I think that's what Gottlieb
0: did. was getting at
2: because yeah,
0: Gottlieb called it out.
2: He did call it out. The, but he was also calling out. So the one you're referring to before that is when Jimerson was basically right, shoved right, to right, the right. ground twice in a row by the same defender <laughs> because he, he kind of nice was
0: flop on the second one though.
2: He was, well, he was, he was steamrolled on the first yes. one. So like, yes. you know, the, Gottlieb's point was it was gamesmanship on Jimerson's part, knowing that a defender was chasing him to stop let the defender run into him. Mm-hmm. He didn't get the first whistle, so he gets up, stops again. The defender runs into him again. Not as much contact as the first time, but he, he hits the deck. He hits the deck again and gets the whistle. Um, you can't run into a guy. I mean, it's as simple no, as that. Like, it's 100% a guy can a, foul. a guy can can run or not run whenever he wants. It doesn't like call it whatever you want. You can't just run a guy over. Um, so so yeah, I mean, to me that was it. Should have been called the first time. It was called the second time. Fine. <laughs> you know i, I don't agree. care and i don't know why why gotley belabored that point so much it was just such a cut and dry foul to me
0: yeah no i i you know it was it was a wild wild freaking game it was uh, a weird game abu kijab uh the unlikely star for Boise, 27 yeah points, eight we couldn't stop places. him um talk to us about the leaders and stats on this one pete
2: yeah. So in the, in the Boise state game, you know, Jimerson's our leading scorer with 21 um, has a really efficient night. Collins winds up with 15 points, um, but man, it really took him a while to get going in this one. And, and I, it, I, I, I we could get into this on the next game, but um, he hasn't been playing his best basketball of late, really bad start. Didn't play most of the first half here. Um and then winds up actually playing pretty well down the stretch, kind of being the, the Uri Collins that we know and love. And then we've got um, Fred Thatcher kind of a little more quietly winds up with 12 and five in this one. The other player I want to call out is DeAndre Jones because when Collins went out early in this game in, with foul trouble, Jones comes in and the, the, the nice story here is that he's from Boise. Mm-hmm. So this is his home crowd. Um, you know, we saw after the game, he had a big contingent of family and friends there. And he winds up playing 25 minutes in this game and has a really solid, you know, eight points, two assists, gets a rebound, a steal. Um, Really, really sound minutes in this one. So loved seeing him play, you know, more than half the game in front of his hometown crowd. And then, yeah, on the other side, Boise's got five guys in double digits, led by uh, Kijab, who is not their leading scorer coming into this game. I want to say he was like their fourth leading scorer. So you're looking at guys like um, ACOT. Um, And Deegan Hart and maybe Shaver as the guys who are going to beat you and that that doesn't end up being the case they're they're low double digits for all three of those guys so um, just a really unusual game.
0: God I hated Deegan Hart is that what they felt like when we had Cody Ellis. Because Dagenhart had a lot of Cody Ellis, and I'm not just like we're not just talking that they're both white. Like Dagenhart moved yeah. like Cody Ellis, he was built like Cody Ellis. That did, like and, and
2: and he got multiple charge calls that yes. were that were borderline. Yes. I think that was kind of the number one similarity yes. to me is like there were a couple times where he hit the deck, got the call, and it was just like oh god, uh, <laughs> that really that really frustrated me because I I mean I if I were a college ref, I think I would call maybe one in 10 actual charges. I think they just love calling charges.
0: They love doing this. I like, hate charges. There's, they they got to change the signal for charges. Exactly.
2: Exactly. It's
0: too demonstrative. It's too much fun to do.
2: Right. Um, so, so yeah, so he got a couple of those. And I think that's, that's where I kind of, I, I, I almost tweeted something uh, to, you know, at Cody to kind of be like, Hey, we've got a, we've got a Cody Ellis clone alert. But uh, but yeah. Anyway, uh, always always frustrating when uh, when when you've got a guy on the other side who's who's picking up charge calls.
0: I think the pendulum of this game swung the Billikens way uh, because of free throw shooting, and it, and it was on our end, and it was not on their end. Uh, Twelve to yeah. twenty six for them, and then of course the uh, the big one where uh, Jimerson. Uh, with, with the cockiest smile you'll ever see in your, in your life, uh, fouls Boise state's big and the, the big goes to the line and and proceeds to miss two in a row. And that's the game right there.
2: Yeah, it was great. Uh, almost poetic. Like that a lot.
0: Um, Billikens move on, uh, to last night where they played UAB at home, Uh, a late arriving crowd in this one, but it ended up being a very nice atmosphere, especially towards the end in a close game. Unfortunately, the Blazers came away with this one, uh, 77-72. Pete, uh, this game was, uh, from a neutral perspective, probably one of the more fun games I think the Billikens have been involved in in a while.
2: It is, or it was, I mean, it was really, a, unfortunately, a tale of two halves. Um, yes. Exactly two-thirds of our scoring 48 points came in the first half. And uh, you never want to see that. Um, 48 points first half followed up by a 24-point second half. And it really felt like that, right? I mean, we had um, basically the opposite of the, <laughs> the the start we had against um, Boise. Um, hitting shots early, making plays, moving the ball around. Um, I think I tweeted it early on. Like this looks like a completely different team than we've seen going to the rim. They were so confident taking it in and um, against bigs that had size like Buffin and Jemison. So I was just so impressed by the way um, by the way things went in the first half of this game.
0: Yeah, they had uh, they had some really nice. They had two really nice bigs and two really really good shooting guards. And yeah. I think. I think those four players made the difference in this game. Um, mm, absolutely. It, it was, uh, they, uh, uh, Deion, first of all, let, let's just get right to DeAndre Jones, because my yeah. goodness, uh, this dude was setting Chaffetz ablaze uh, last night.
2: Yeah. So, did he hit his, what was it, his first four three point attempts?
0: Uh, I believe it was his first four
2: yeah and all in the first half as well he wound up five for seven from three on the night I think he, I want to say he missed his fifth and um and then missed uh one of his, one of his last two as well um in the second half um but yeah he comes in and has a great night on another night where um you know Collins early on especially was just not getting a lot of uh a lot of good looks um and, uh, you know, they, they, they bring Jones in. They were playing together for the most part. Um, but, uh, well, they, they, I want to say they, they overlapped a little bit. They played alongside each other, and then Jones um, played without him for a little bit because um, Collins got into a little foul trouble again in this one. Um, and, and, man, he was great. His minutes, we've, we've talked about how solid he's been, but this was the first game where he really broke out and, and scored.
0: Yeah. It seemed like he was getting a lot of open looks and I don't know if that was UAB keying in on, on a guy like Jimerson, or, or, you know, being so laser focused on a guy like Uri Collins and making sure that Uri didn't beat them. Yeah. Um, so, but DeAndre Jones, you know, got his opportunity and, and made the most of it in this one. It was, it was a lot of fun to watch this, this hot start. I mean, It was a shootout back and forth. Uh, Both teams were making threes. You don't love to see UAB making the shots they made, obviously, but uh, I didn't think that we were getting, I, the only thing, look, you can, you can say that it's bad defense, but I think UAB's offense, other than maybe getting really, really good looks at the rim. I thought the Billiken defense was, was decent on UAB shooters.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um you know, I kind of looked at your note earlier and thought is this more of an issue of our defense or their offense? And I really do think they they were a better looking offensive team than I expected because we we talked about coming into this game they do they are relying on almost all transfers on this roster. And um you wonder how they gel, you know, after not that many games. Um but as it turns out that they they they've, they've got a lot of talent to be honest. And, um, and they played better together than I expected. So I give their credit, their offense, a lot of credit. Um, I think the bigger story here, we came, we came into this game, not loving this matchup, worried about the matchup because of turnovers. We only end up with 11 turnovers, which is great. I'll take that pretty much any night. Um, But the real issue here was, was rebounding. Um, What, what happened on the glass here, Zach?
0: Uh, You know, uh, man, a lot of, a lot of tip outs, a lot of uh, just being in in the wrong place at the wrong time. A lot of balls going over heads. Uh, that's at least how I saw it uh, in my through my uh, Mikolov Ultra glazed glasses. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just I, I didn't think it was, you know, so much of of um, you know. I thought there was a lot, a little bit that it was UAB's effort on the glass, but I thought mm-hmm. a lot of it was just. You know, UAB took so many perimeter jumpers that uh, that the long rebounds killed us. I mean, yeah. you you know, that's there absolutely were, right. I think there were there would have there were not a lot of chances for offensive rebounds on shots with, you know, close to the rim, because when UAB was getting attempts at the rim uh, inside, they were wide open and they, they cashed them.
2: A lot of their offensive rebounds came off of Walker three-point attempts. Um, yes. He was four for ten from three. I
0: thought he, he, you that shocks me. I swear it, to God, that oh, dude went like eight for you know eight for eleven.
2: It, it really does feel like he shot a lot more. Um, but he's one of those guys. He's a smaller player, and he will shoot it going either direction, going forward, backward, off the dribble, off the pass, fading away. You never quite know when and where he's going to shoot. He's got range, which means you could never quite know where the ball is going once it's up there. And um, they had two bigs, Buffin and Jemison, who had, uh, a, man, they're they both bigger than I realized. Um, Buffin's just a really big, long guy. And Jemison actually is a guy that Slew recruited out of high school, um, who wound up picking Clemson over Slew um, and then eventually transferring to UAB. He's he's definitely grown since um, you know since since those days, so both of those guys were were you know they wound up with I think um, uh, nine offensive boards between the two of them and then uh, tipped out a lot more that didn't all wind up in UAB's hands but man those guys were all over the offensive glass and that was just a nightmare and honestly I think that's the difference in this game uh, we g- we give them fifteen offensive rebounds we only get five. Um, So they wind up with 17 second chance points to r six and we still have a chance to win this game in the last minute. Um, So just, just really frustrating because I kind of thought it was maybe, maybe two thirds effort and and skill and size on their point and one third bad luck. And that just kind of wound up being enough. You know, we mentioned their
0: second chance points and a lot of their second chance points were off three point shots that were coming from passes out of the post uh, off off rebounds and one person that i thought did really well in this game passing out of the post is someone we have kind of uh criticized for his inability to pass on the post and that's a coro uh, yeah. i wish he would have had more offensive rebounds in this game or uh you know and more chances to get it out of the post because i thought he looked uh he looked to make that pass much more in this game
2: he did. And I, I think he does a better job passing out of the post when it's an offensive board or if he's in the high post, because once he's down low out of the flow of the half court offense mm-hmm. is when I think he's the least likely to kind of, you know, look around and, and actually make the pass. Um, but to your point, yeah, we, we would have been better served by <laughs> by getting him on the offensive glass a little bit more. Um, he did show a, a little bit more um, range to his game, though. I agree completely
0: um Yuri yeah. Collins let's talk what's eating Yuri Collins that's the uh yeah that's the segment um, it's
2: it's funny to say because we you know after the first three games because we were kind of crowning him all conference first team you want to you know, crown
0: their ass crown them
2: <laughs> against the weakest competition that would we, that we're you know playing all season of course and he's been kind of shaky since then what we're not used to from him is this many turnovers right I mean he only had three in those first three games. Again, against not the best competition, um, but since then he's had 31, and you know which means he's averaging over five a game, um, which which definitely does concern me. He's he's only barely over a one to one assist to turnover ratio since then, and i have trying to been you know talking to people and kind of figuring out what's going on because some of this has to do with yeah things are a little bit different offensively this year he's playing with new players in the backcourt completely um you know we've we've had more roster turnover than people realize um but he's also i think he's kind of he's a little more focused on scoring this year for one um and his shot selection hasn't been the greatest you know i think he he's he's good about knowing when to go to the rim when things kind of part for him but at the same time he can kind of get himself into trouble Um, and then I think he's, that's also making him kind of hold on to the ball a little bit too long, um, get get in a little bit too deep and then not have the best and and, and easiest option in front of him. I think he's just kind of overcomplicating things. So, um, just, just odd to see his decision-making a little bit different this year. And I I don't know if you're seeing things the same way, but I don't want to say like, I'm worried about him. I think he's, he's figuring it out, but,
0: um, he's got more responsibility
2: He does, and we need him to be rock solid if this is going to work this year.
0: I mean, would you like to see him kind of maybe back off of the idea that he needs to score a little more and see if if we can't survive without it?
2: I I think I personally would because I want to see him kind of get back into a groove of being that point guard first uh, mentality. I think as soon as Perkins went down, he probably kind of changed his mentality a little bit, which is totally understandable because the points do have to come from somewhere. But I think he's got to have a little bit more faith in his teammates and, um, you know, make that first play. It's, uh, I think a lot of times you'll kind of go, Oh, it's right there and he holds it. And it's just, I think he's overthinking it a little bit.
0: Yeah. And and we mentioned, uh, we talk about Jimmerson running around quite a bit and, and how tough that's got to be to, uh, and these guys are, you know, uh, not world-class athletes, but, but, you know close enough like as far as athletic like not at their sport but athletically yeah they're world class so the question becomes is there something to be said for how much teams are making him work even before they get they get set that he is now you know already gassed uh 10 15 seconds into the shot clock and maybe he doesn't have that extra gear to get to the hoop or, you know, to, to get to a spot to, to get the handoff back in the, you know, the whatever set they're running.
2: Um, I think that's an excellent point. Um, he's seeing a lot more press so far this year. He's seeing a lot more traps, like, you know, um, it's one thing to be able to make the first best decision when you're playing just a straight up one-on-one, um, but it's another when you're right, they're already, you know, harassing you as soon as you cross the timeline. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely a point. There are, there are some layers here, not to mention him getting in foul trouble the last couple of games um, on top of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's tough because he's, he's the guy, right. And, yeah. and he's our guy and uh, you really don't want to, to ride him too hard because I mean, he's dealing with a lot in this, yes. in this season.
2: He is. Yeah. Um,
0: but at the same time, there's expectations and, Uh, As a fan, we maybe have too high of expectations, but uh, Yuri Collins has also set those expectations himself. So uh, we have to kind of find a middle ground between, you know, being asshole fans and, uh, and understanding uh, men for others that we learned at at St. Louis university. Right. Yeah.
2: I still think he'll be all right, but, um, but, uh, but clearly needs to just find that balance.
0: Yeah. I think we're playing teams that, um, I think this will be good for him because at the end of the day, you're going to go up against the A10, who's who's seen you play for every year for X number of years, and uh, they're going to be as ready as everybody. They're going to be even more ready. So, right. uh, getting this now will will you know hopefully he'll be up to speed by the time uh, the new year comes around and A10 play kicks off. Yeah. Um, let's talk. Uh, the well let's let's see what happened this week in the Atlantic 10 um I mean it's just it's the Atlantic 10 truly is uh it's the roller coaster 10 really Pete
2: yeah yeah I know they they don't make it easy (laughs) they don't make it easy on us it's yet another kind of up and down week in the conference um you know and we've kind of by now you come to expect it from the from the bottom half but would really like to see some of these, um, you know, these top half teams do a little bit better here.
0: Yeah, the, it kicked off Tuesday, Monday. Everybody had off. Uh, Davidson beat a good Charlotte, a very a, a decent Charlotte team, uh, 75-58. Uh, Billikens came away uh, at Boise with a 682 win. Fordham uh, blows out St. Francis College, Brooklyn. Don't look now, people, but Fordham is above 500. Uh, Coming close to the Christmas holiday, uh, 68-46 in this one. Uh, St. Joe's beats Binghamton, 79-57. Boston University takes down George Washington, 56-54. Bowling Green beats Duquesne, 78-70. Temple beat LaSalle, 73-57. Rhode Island beat Harvard, Harvard, uh, 64-57. Richmond beat Wofford, 73-64. Uh, Bonaventure uh, ekes out a win. It it was a little sketchy for a while there, but Bonaventure wins 93-81 versus Coppin State. Uh, Dayton also scores 93 points, but against Alabama State, who had 54. Uh, Saturday, uh, St. Joe's drops uh, a blowout to Villanova, 81-52. Harvard uh, loses to UMass, or UMass beats Harvard, 87-77. Uh, Rhode Island loses to Providence College, 66-52. Dayton beats UNI, 79-41. LaSalle, 84. Holy Cross, 65. Charlotte comes back uh, to beat another A-10 foe that they had to play in the same week, 86-79. They should have just stayed in the conference if they're going to play everybody.
2: Um, uh, Yeah, they didn't need football. uh,
0: Davidson, 70. William & Mary, 46. Bonaventure uh, wins the Western New York battle 68 uh, 65 over Buffalo. Uh, VCU 65, Campbell 61, uh, UAB 77, SLU 72. Uh, Duquesne drops a one point game to Marshall 72 71. Uh, and then George Mason loses by 10 to Old Dominion in Fairfax. Um, today, uh, Richmond beats Northern Iowa 60 to 52. And Fordham drops a game to St. John's, coached by uh, Mike Anderson, who you'll be familiar with, uh, eighty-three sixty-nine. Uh, let's talk about what's coming. Oh well, first of all, you got anything to say about this? Uh, this Atlantic Ten week?
2: You know, honestly, when you look at the whole
0: thing, it's. <laughs> I stopped rooting. Do we it's root for li- the conference? Little... I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. I'm done rooting yeah. for the conference. I don't care. They it's suck. A
2: it's still a little bit better week than we've seen the last couple of weeks. Um, so, so I, I will give them that, but I I don't, I don't necessarily love some of these results, you know, Bonaventure like barely beating teams that they should be blowing out, for example. But uh, you know, it, it, it's, it. I guess this week is incremental improvement over where we were the two weeks leading into it.
0: This week was like everybody jumping on the Dayton bandwagon again like yeah. what are we doing like okay well i mean they, yeah they beat kansas okay great like we beat louisville in 2001 like that team right. still was not very good um it's it's a little sorry, soon Anthony, to say Andrea.
2: yeah it's a little soon to say dayton has suddenly figured it out i mean they 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 had an upset and they, now they've beaten two bad teams so you know still we still there's still more to see there
0: yeah I, i'll be interested um to see where they go uh and i'll be keeping an eye on them uh this week i know they have a they have a decent test at smu so Mm -hmm. uh that's one to keep an eye on um the billikens upcoming week it's going to be it's going to be um it's going to be a tough week we uh we've got belmont on tuesday the 7th um tell our listeners a little bit about belmont
2: so I said coming into this year, don't be surprised if Belmont is the best team on the schedule when all is said and done, we're now seeing Memphis implode completely. So, so there's one um, Auburn still looks pretty good though. And, you know, some of the other teams were, were, you know, I think UAB is going to keep trending upward. Belmont is six and three right now. They're arguably kind of underachieving um, based on expectations. There, there was an, you um, I'm forgetting at the moment what Nashville's newspaper is called, but they had an article um, about a month and a half, ago, or about a month ago, right before the regular season started. That this is the best roster in Belmont history. Um, they returned a bunch of guys t- to a team that went 26 and four, won the regular season conference, uh, was one of the highest scoring teams in all of the, the country, and um, and yeah, you know they're six and three. They started the season with a loss to Ohio. Um, they've also lost to LSU and an obviously very up and down Dayton team. They've got a couple good wins. Drake is one of them. Iona is another. Um, so they're good. We don't quite know how good yet, um, but they, they kind of play like we, we thought they would. They shoot a lot. They play fast. Um, they're efficient from everywhere. So, so inside out, free throw line, they're, they're an efficient scoring team and they move the ball really well. Um, they don't, for as fast as they play, they don't turn it over much. They tend to kind of shoot early in a possession and, um, they, they tend to have very low fouling games on, on both ends. So they play kind of a fast, clean game, um, which is generally pretty fun to watch, but makes me a little bit nervous. Um, kind of a little counterintuitive based on their style, but their, their most productive player, uh, scoring wise is, is Nick Musinski, who's a 6'11", 235 center, averaging about 18 and seven. And then um, number two is their uh, Ben Shepard, 6'6 six, six wing, who's averaging a little over 16 a game. Um, <clears throat> so those are their top two players, and um, they do go pretty deep. So be ready for a team that uh, that plays together well, that plays fast, scores a lot, and um, isn't going to put us on the free throw line as much as we've seen in the last couple of games.
0: Yeah, that that's going to be... Um... I, I would like to see them put us on the line a little bit more. Um, Boston College comes to town Saturday, the eleventh. Um, this is not the Boston College that's been the doormat the last few years.
2: They're a little bit better. They um, they they've got a first year coach, um, Earl Grant, who was at at Charleston previously. And um, they're kind of the opposite of of Belmont in a lot of ways. They play a really low scoring, slow defensive style relative to Belmont. Um, It's weird to think that, you know, the ACC school we're playing this week doesn't scare me as much as the Ohio Valley school. But, uh, But regardless, Boston College is also six and three. So like you said, a little bit better than they've been. They lost to Utah and they've actually lost to Rhode Island twice. Kind of a quirk of their schedule that they played them. Um, both in a neutral event and on their <clears throat> regular non-conference schedule. They've all already opened ACC play with a win over Notre Dame, and then they've, they've beaten a couple Ivy League schools and, and a couple other bye games that they should have won. They've got a really balanced scoring attack. They've got seven guys who average between 7 and 12 points a game. Um, so expect kind of more of a defensive battle here. They're going to look to slow things down um they're a good three-point shooting team but they don't shoot it a ton they're just uh you know a little more Soderberghian in their approach to the game so um a much different uh uh team than we can expect with Belmont
0: yeah that Notre Dame game is is weird because I don't think Notre Dame has been as good as they have been in previous years so it's kind of like a a switch there uh between the two programs but I mean, it's still a team, a Notre Dame team that, you know, um, only lost to to Illinois by 10. Who's got a very, very good team, Uh, you know, played Texas A&M really tough. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what this Boston College team brings to St. Louis.
2: Yeah, I I just think they're... um they're, they're still a bottom half ACC team for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, Notre Dame has been down for a few years as well. Um, But, but it seems like at least early on this, this new coach at least has a, has a vision for how he can win some games with this squad.
0: All right. Well, that's men's basketball, Uh, women's basketball, trying to turn things around. They've got an easier uh, slate of games um, as of recent uh, they get a win this week, uh, 83-54 at Southeast Missouri State. Interesting to see them going on the road at kind of um, uh, these semi-local programs. Uh, uh, it, it's a good win for the Billikens. I mean, SEMO is not a very good team, but anytime you go on the road and uh, you're, you're on, a, on a bad slide going and winning a game by almost 30 points is, is good enough for me, I think.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, what a relief it, it was to kind of look down and see like, oh, wow, they're they're really uh, blowing this team out. Um, it's just not something we've seen from them yet. And to do it on the road, yeah, even though it's a team you're supposed to beat, um, it just, just a much better um, performance from them than, than we're used to seeing. They shot it much better. They still left a little to be desired from three. Haven't quite figured that out this year, but anytime they were punching it inside, it seemed to be working out well. And you know, Brooke Flowers gives you a monster game with 19 points and 18 rebounds.
0: Yeah, the three point shooting still an issue um, with this team, especially losing their best three point shooter in, um, oh gosh, Rachel, Rachel Kent. Kent. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Jinx on me, a Coke. Um, yeah, no, still an issue. Uh, five of 17 in this one. 0 of 2 in the first quarter, 1 of 4 in the second, 1 of 4 in the third. But in the fourth quarter, they turned it on and shot 3 of 7, a 42.8% clip. So, um, yeah, just, I mean, not much you can really take from this one other than it's a good bounce back game. Uh, The one notable aspect from this game, I will say, is that Julia Martinez was absent from the box score. I could not tell if she was on the bench. There was no note on the play-by-play about – what her status is um i will say the bench looks incredibly empty for the billikens in these last two games and only can get into that more in the next game but uh interesting to see that julia martinez was not in the box score for this one nor was she in the box score for the Billikins 59 54 win over tennessee martin uh in tennessee on sunday 12 5 um yeah it's it's odd uh but the one bright note I thought in this game, besides the fact they came away with a win, I thought the Billikens could have won by way more. They held U, uh, UT Martin to one field goal in the first half. And that was with like three seconds to go in the half. Uh, they scored six points at the free throw line in that first half.
2: Yeah, that's the that um, first
0: quarter. I'm sorry. First quarter.
2: Right. Yeah. So 12 12, first quarter. So, yeah. That That's, that's really impressive. And you mentioned uh, Martinez. The other thing that's kind of odd there, she's not in the game um, the recap or notes for either of these games, either, yeah, uh, either pregame or or postgame. So, uh, truly, kind of a mystery at this point. And as soon as we figure out what's going on there, we'll let everybody know.
0: Yeah, I, I, like we said, the the women's basketball team has has a bit of a uh, a bit of a, a cupcake, um, you know, schedule leading into the to the Christmas holiday.
2: It's um, it might be it might be strong to call it cupcake. I mean, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm
0: sorry. Simo I, I certainly
2: was, and I think Tennessee Martin's probably a team you beat by double digits. If you play them at home. Um, you know, credit to slew for going on the road and playing these these games. Um, and and they're I'm guessing these are part of like home and homes or two for ones or whatever with some of these teams. Um, they do play so this Thursday the ninth they do play a three and three SIUE team. Um, that actually it has some pretty good wins, Illinois, Butler, and then uh, Purdue, Fort Wayne, and losses to Kansas, Memphis, and Mizzou. So you look at their schedule, they, we actually have a lot of common opponents and um, kind of, you know, more or less the same results against them. Um, they'll play Western Illinois on Tuesday, so they'll have less than 48 hours rest and prep for the, the slew game on Thursday, so that might play to our advantage. Um, S I U E is playing at home though, and yeah, it's you know it's only a half hour, forty minute bus ride or whatever from SLU, um, so it's not much of a road trip, but you're still not playing at home.
0: Yeah, you. And got... then,
2: um, oh sorry. No, go ahead.
0: No, no, no. I was gonna. I, my note was for after the schedule talk. So.
2: Okay, yeah, gotcha. Go so, yeah. so Saturday the eleventh, um, they're gonna host Northern Kentucky at home. Um, Similar level to SIUE, Northern Kentucky is a horizon team, um, SIUE and Ohio Valley team. Uh, and, and Northern Kentucky has actually played a few conference games already, which is kind of odd. Um, they, uh, they've got wins over Eastern Kentucky, Green Bay, Miami, Ohio, Central Arkansas. They've lost to Kent State, Milwaukee, Cleveland State, those last two being conference games. Um, and then they have a bye game versus a lower division opponent, Kentucky State on Wednesday. So... I think those are those are two pretty good litmus tests to see um, to see kind of where SLU stands um, as they get closer to conference play.
0: Yeah, I think this is a team that's three and five right now, but has a very good shot to be eight and five going into conference play, which considering the first, you know, those four games uh, between Mizzou, Kansas, Florida and Florida Gulf Coast. Like, I mean, you're in a decent position there. the the only game where you can really be truly upset at is is Northern Iowa. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I think, I think there's, there's, there's a, there's a lot to be positive about. I mean, yes, it's a a lesser schedule that they're going into, but um, this is a team that again, lost their best three point shooter, lost their best rebounder. And and they they've had bright spots recently in the most uh, in the most recent game. Peyton Kennedy looked really good today. Uh, against uh, UT Martin she went four for seven from the field Um, she looked good pulling down three rebounds in this one Uh, or I'm sorry she only had one rebound but I mean she looked like she was able to hold her own in that kind of three four position uh, when they needed her to
2: yeah the other bright spot here I'll call out Kylie Bass absolutely Um, they've kind of needed as that that sixth uh, sixth woman um the sh- the real shooter with with kent gone too um she was she went three of seven in the previous game and three of four today from three so she, so it looks like she's kind of finding her shot at the, as the season goes on to establish herself as that kind of that that first threat off the bench now like you said before they're speaking of bench they're not going deep at all they're really only playing a six or a rotation of six at this point um and, and they with, only
0: had nine on the <clears throat> nine total they had four players on the bench
2: nine total eight got in and um ghoul and uh is it is it Twang? tong i would go okay i
0: always go with say it the easiest and you've probably got it right
2: yeah so 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 they only played seven and three minutes respectively they're both bigs um so so they they might not have even played at all had mst been been not hurt But, but um but yeah, they're not. So depth is, is obviously going to be a concern for them um, moving forward, especially given whatever's going on with Martinez.
0: Yeah. Um, so that's what's going on with the women's hoops. Uh, looking forward to seeing them uh, try to even up that that record going forward. Um, heck, hey, at least we ended this weekend on a win of some kind. Uh, it was a brutal day for me, including uh, including the Blues and, and Chelsea uh on saturday so i had a I had a really rough saturday for my sports team so um yeah i'm glad the women's team got the win today and uh um they that was a weird game today i mean i saw some steals that were just it was it almost looked like like slew was so much better than them on when it came to defenses that they were mm-hmm. just stepping out in front of the ball and catching it with two hands they weren't tipping the ball away they were catching the uh the intercepted pass so um anyway yeah that's that's what we got uh any last words before we remind everybody where they can they can catch us
2: no i don't think i've got anything so why don't you uh why don't you send them
0: yeah i think we're gonna uh we've got erwin uh, claggett uh in the can wait wait what um we've got erwin claggett interview uh recorded and it's ready to go um i want to thank the, the the people that did tweet at us uh with their spotify wrapped uh we're going to send you out that um that interview uh the week before christmas i think we're going to drop it uh either 24 25th or 26th i'm not sure a little christmas present for you guys but uh if you if you do have us on your spotify wrapped tweet at us and we will send you the private youtube link um for that uh, interview a week before it drops so tweet at us midtown mad pod with your spotify rap showing uh that you guys listen to us no you we were your most listened podcast uh and we'll send that out uh to you uh, via direct message uh, thank you guys for listening again follow us at midtown mad pod on twitter um make sure you're subscribing on on uh on your, on your, um, your podcast apps, because that's, um, that's how you're going to get it immediately when it comes out and, uh, see it'll download right away for you. So again, thank you all for watch or watching, listening, however you, uh, listen to us. And again, I, I, we gotta, we gotta thank Kevin Kalish one more time for taking the time to come on the show. He was, he was outstanding and, and thank you to Kevin Kalish, uh, and, uh, Kevin Stoll, uh, Chris Birch, uh, and, and the entire men's soccer program for just an unbelievable season. I don't think we really truly gave them the, uh, the, the off that we needed to in that, in that earlier segment. So I wanted to, I wanted to give one more shout out to them.
2: Absolutely. That was a heck of a season. Um, and I think they, they, I don't think there's anybody who would have said coming into this year, we expect, you know, and. Uh, an undefeated walk through the non-conference conference schedule and and all the way to the elite eight um i i think this was a, a really outstanding season by any measure and uh can't wait to see them run it back next season
0: yep all right we'll talk to y'all later go Bill.